0: What's poppin' fam? Uh, This is kind of strange for me. I still gotta get used to this. I am speaking to a camera with a few people around me filming me and have some lights on me. But I know that you are here tuning in with us, whether it's live or later through the recording, because you have a burden in your spirit to pray with us and to fast with us and to contend for a move of God. If it's your first time tuning in with us, my name is Will. My wife and I, we lead a regional ministry out here in Southern California called The Meeting Place, as well as Praise and Prayer. Just to share a little bit about who we are, so for the first-timers, you may not know what's going on here. We had a vision to gather the hungry and broken to meet with God. And after we started to meet on a monthly basis, we also began a house of prayer that we call Praise and Prayer with a threefold vision to restore pure adoration of Jesus through praise and prayer, and then personal renewal, and then regional and national revival. And we, as a ministry, we started meeting with a few people for the hungry and broken to meet with God. But tonight, we felt the burden to mobilize the hungry and broken, not just to meet with God, but to fast and intercede. Onto God, believing that not only does He hear us, but in the authority and the name and the will of Jesus, He answers the prayers of His saints. Today, uh, we also have my good two friends, Ty Austin from the Rock Church in Anaheim and Mark Speeder from Fullerton, Antioch Church, close brothers of mine, as well as Jason Nettles from Asia Rising. All three of these brothers, we felt a burden to pray for our region and for our nation. I know there's many people here from the East Coast. I know a lot of my homies from the East Coast, y'all were tagging me, make some noise. I don't know, man. I don't know how you do this. Make some waves or whatever y'all do it right. Make some comments. West Coast, Midwest, Mideast, wherever you are, South, right? I know people all across the world are streaming in today because we feel an urgency to pray and fast for a time like this. I kind of want to share a framework of what it's going to look like tonight as you're tuned in. For about the next 30 minutes, I'm going to try to keep it 30 minutes tight. Even though the Lord has really given me a word, I'm going to be speaking a message that God has deposited in my heart through the word and prayer. Afterwards, we're going to actually have a time of prayer and corporate intercession for about 45 minutes minutes or so. We'll see how the spirit leads. So I want to ask you, if you can, to try to engage in your spirit to the best of your ability. Try not to get distracted as if you were actually in the room with us because the Lord is with you right now, moving you to participate and not just receive tonight, but to actually participate in corporate prayer and intercession. I want to share with you guys real quickly as I go into my message a general format so you can follow me as a guideline or a format or a structure to see where I'm going tonight with my message. I'm going to have four different ways we're going to navigate this time through my message. The first point, the first portion of my message, I'm going to try to lay a foundation and a case for prophetic preaching. I'm going to try to lay a foundation, a very brief one because of time for a call of prophetic preaching. And then I'm going to share a biblical and prophetic perspective on what God may be doing through this global pandemic called COVID-19. And afterwards, I'm going to have a few exhortations. And finally, we're going to go into a time of prayer. So try to follow with me as I give you that gun line. I want to share with you guys really quickly to kind of share with my heart a case For prophetic preaching. In Ephesians 4 verses 11 through 13, it says, Christ gave gifts to the church. He gave to the church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to the body of Christ to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the upbuilding of the body of Christ. Until we attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature into manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Really briefly, real quick. Jesus Christ, as he ascended to heaven, gave five different functions and giftings to the body of Christ. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher. A lot of us are used to teaching or from shepherds comforting and leading us, but in the scriptures there is a space and a place for the apostolic gifting and the voice, the prophetic voice, the prophetic gifting to take room for the fullness and the maturity of the body of Christ to take place. I'm going to do this really briefly for us real quick. Preachers with an apostolic gift preach in a way that move people into action to participate in the mission and the purposes of God. Apostolic preachers have a gifting and a wiring to mobilize and push people to participate in the mission and the purposes of God. Preachers with a shepherding gift, they preach in a way that comforts and encourages the people of God, especially during hard and trying times. Follow me. Preachers with an evangelistic gift, they have a preaching ability to preach with the heart that reaches the lost and those who are far from Christ. Just follow me a little more. Now, here's my case. Preachers with a prophetic gift and heart preach in a way that awakens And rebukes and corrects the body of Christ through the scriptures, but also through the prompting and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Why am I saying this? I feel a quickening in my spirit that the Lord wants to give us a prophetic perspective on what is happening through COVID 19 and through the church and the body of Christ fasting. And praying. I know in this live stream we have people from different streams. You may have a certain view on the offices, on the functions and giftings, but I believe the scriptures teach us very clearly there is a prophetic gift and a prophetic voice that is incredibly important at a time like now. Let me just read to you really quickly. A definition of the prophetic gift by one of my favorite, Dr. Robert Clinton, the former dean of Fuller Seminary and Missions and Leadership. He says the prophetic gift and prophetic preaching is the ability to discover truth either of a predictive nature, a predictive nature, like legitimately future telling. I've never done that. Predictive nature or and as a situational word for now. The prophetic gift and the prophetic preaching is the ability to deliver truth either of a predictive nature or as a situational word from God in order to correct by exhorting, edifying, and awakening believers or to convince non-Christians of God's truth. Different from just simply expounding the scriptures, the prophetic ability is to discern, sometimes spontaneously, but sometimes spiritually in prayer, what God is saying right now at this hour. Let me just give you guys a few foundational verses from the Old Testament, New Testament, and even in modern day today. First Chronicles 12, 32, it says, of the sons of Issachar, men who, who had times of understanding to know what Israel ought to do. I'm going to read that one more time. 1 Chronicles 12, verse 32. Of the sons of Issachar were men who had understanding of the times, insight of the times, to know what Israel ought to do. This was during a time where the kingdom of Saul was trying to get rid of David and his mighty men. And the sons of Issachar know in the spirit that God is raising up David for such a time as this. And they side with David, the anointed one, but not yet the appointed one. And they say, we know the times of the Lord is to raise up a new king who has the heart of God. Let me keep going just a few other examples. Acts 21, verses 8 through 12. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea. And we entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. This is Luke speaking. He had four unmarried daughters who, who prophesied. Doesn't use the word proclaim in the Greek. It's the actual word to Prophesy. While we were staying for many days, a prophet, this is new covenant, not old covenant, named Agabus, came down from Judea, and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, thus says the Holy Spirit. This is not just the logos, the written word, but he says, thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem Will bind the man who owns this belt, and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Agabus, tradition, uh, Christian scholars, and people in Christian tradition believe he was one of the seventy men that were sent out in twos by Jesus. He has a prophetic word. It's a word in the now, a spontaneous word. He doesn't even know that it's Paul's belt. But he says, whoever's belt this is. I know it's kind of strange, but it works that way. He says, whoever's belt this is, I see you tied up like this. And the new covenant even exhorts the prophetic word, in this case, was more predictive. While the sons of Issachar, it was more discerning, the situational word of The Lord. I could go so much deeper into this, but let me just lay a few modern examples of what many people in the body of Christ are really surprised by by some prophetic words from two different pastors who have now passed away. Number one, David Wilkerson, the former pastor of Times Square Church in New York in 1986 told Dr. Mike Evans. I heard the full primary source from Mike Evans to make sure I got the right source. And Mike Evans says that David Wilkerson told him in private on a Tuesday night, this is what he said, I see a plague coming on the world, and the bars and churches and governments will shut down. The plague will hit New York. And shake it like it has never been shaken. The plague is going to force prayerlessness believers into radical prayer and into their Bibles. And repentance will be the cry for the man of God in the pulpit. And out of it, we will see the third great awakening that will sweep America and the world. Come on, somebody. I didn't make this up. I don't know if this guy saw what we're seeing. But something in me says we need to pay attention to these words. Someone you may be surprised by, I don't know if he thought this was a prophetic word in nature, but C.S. Lewis in 1942 in Scoop tape Letters writes this, I will cause anxiety, fear, and panic. I will shut down businesses, schools, places of worship, sport events. I will cause economic turmoil. This is 1942, talking about a future time. And then he says, but Jesus says to this, and then I will bring together neighbors. I will restore the family unit. I will bring dinner back to the kitchen table. I will help slow down their lives. And appreciate what really matters. Oh, this is some wild stuff, fam. I will teach my children to rely on me and not the world. 1942 from Screwtape Letters from C.S. Lewis. 1986 from David Wilkerson telling a friend privately what he feels in prayer and in the spirit is coming upon our nation. Now, my goal tonight is not necessarily to give you a teaching as much as it is for me to give you a perspective on what God may be doing in light of COVID-19. I'll be honest and transparent with you. This is not my natural habitat of preaching. I'm more of an expositor. I like to go verse by verse. I like to preach the word. But this whole week as I've been fasting and praying, Every time I start studying the scriptures to prepare my message, I just end up praying more. I honestly, I, all of my sermon prep led me to praying more and more and more. And as I've been praying, I feel like the Lord has given me this word. Man, I'm trying to go through this real fast. Let me just share a few things that were impressed on my heart through the scriptures as I've been thinking about what God is doing. Two things came to my mind first is Noah's ark. I was thinking so deeply, not intentionally, but anytime time I prayed, I could not help but think about Noah's Ark. And let me tell you why. I can't remember or I don't even know and I'm almost confident that there has never been a thing ever in the history of the world that has touched every person on the globe like Noah's flood as COVID-19. We know there's been tragedies in different nations. We know of World War I and World War II. But I can't remember the last time that some type of illness or tragedy or judgment or plague has touched the four corners of the world as Noah's Ark. And the reason why this kept coming on my heart was this. Most people don't know this, but did you know that Noah was actually in the Ark for 370 days? It rained for 40 days. But him and his family and the animals were in the ark for 370 days. And I asked myself and I asked the Lord this, why? God could have done it in one moment. God could have started over with just a few days. Why did it take 370 days? And I felt in my heart, the Lord say, because it takes time for me to reset and restart the wickedness And the fallenness of this generation. And I said, Lord, why is COVID-19 still going on? If you're like me, I thought this was going to last a few days. At most a few weeks. But now we know this seems like it might last for several months. And like you, I'm assuming I've been praying for this to end. I've been praying for this to stop. But here's my point. There is at the end of the day a purpose, even behind this, and God redeeming and cleansing and working his glory behind the sins. As it took 370 days for the ark and for Noah's flood, there is a time frame for this for God. It's God's purposes to prevail. I'm gonna share it really quick from Second Corinthians 12. Paul, so Paul has a thorn on his side. And you know what this, this is the crazy part. The thorn is Satan. Maybe it's manifested in your neighbor that drives you crazy. Maybe it's manifested in your coworker or your supervisor. But either way, it says here, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that this should lead me, leave me. But the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. It says Paul said, Lord, take this away from me three times. And Paul says, a messenger from Satan was given unto me. What does this mean? This means even Satan is at the will of God. I don't know how that all exactly works out, but God is so sovereign that even when the devil thought he was killing Jesus, he was actually giving us life. Even though the devil thought he was crucifying Jesus, he was setting Jesus up to resurrect from the dead. What's my point here? As the thorn on the flesh is on Paul's side, even illness, even sickness, even demonic principalities are all serving the purposes of God. And God tells Paul, I'm not going to let this thorn leave you. There's a purpose behind it. There's a purpose behind it. And Paul doesn't clarify what the thorn is. Is it a sickness from him being stoned so many times? Is it migraines? Is it his churches that he's planted that he's stressed out and anxious about? Is it about the persecution that's coming to the church? We don't know. Scholars and commentators say he kept it vague. So that different areas and struggles in our life, we can know those weaknesses make us depend on God. So here's a question. What is the purpose of what's happening right now? But COVID-19, I believe God is shaking the heavens and the earth. Hebrews 12, 25-29 says, See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they have refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. Verse 26 says, At that time, God's voice, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shakable, that is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. The author of Hebrews is talking about the shaking of Mount Zion when Moses was in the glory of God and the mountains literally shook and the Israelites stood in fear of the Lord. They would even tell Moses, I don't want God. God's terrifying. God's scary. Moses, will you go on our behalf? And the author of Hebrews is saying, if God shook it then, and there was a level of accountability under the old covenant, how much higher of an accountability is there going to be under the new mountain, which is the mountain of God, which is for the priesthood of all believers. And he's saying, saying, God shook it then, but he's going to shake the world and the heavens again. He is actually quoting from Haggai 2, verse 6 and 7. And Haggai 2 says, Yet once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of the nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Now let me just give you some context. When we're talking about The shaking of the heavens and the earth here is not necessarily talking about COVID-19 or today. This is actually talking about the final day when Christ returns. That when Christ returns, there will be one final shaking. But you know why I bring this up? According to Jesus in Matthew 24, there will be smaller shakings. There will be smaller shakings across the world in history as a sign of labor pain and birth pain to remind us that he's coming back. To remind us that Christ will come back to marry his bride. It says in Matthew 24, 7-8, For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places all these things are but the beginning of birth pains so what i'm talking about here is that god is shaking the nations and he's shaking the world so that that which that cannot be shaken will begin to elevate and surface so that we can start depending on the unshakable rock of jesus Christ. Now I'm going to share with you guys really quickly, hopefully, and then we're going to go into corporate prayer. Five things that I feel in my heart so strongly that God is shaking right now. Number one, God is shaking the church and God is shaking the leaders of the church in America and the nation. To purify his bride in order to release the church to its original purpose and calling to be the hands and feet of Jesus. God is shaking the church and its leaders and her leaders to purify us, to release us to our original calling and purpose. You know, the Bible says that judgment begins in the house of the Lord. 1 Peter 4.17, for it is time for judgment to begin in the household of God. When I read the prophets in the Old Testament, when I read Jesus in the Gospels, I am alarmed that God is always rebuking the religious leaders. He's extending his hands to the prostitutes. He's extending his hands to the hurting. But religious leaders who've taken church and religion for self-glory, there is a harsh shaking that is coming to the body of Christ. It says here in Ezekiel 34, the word of the Lord came to me in verse 2. Son of man, Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds. Thus says the Lord God, all shepherds of Israel have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat ones. But you do not feed the sheep. Verse 4 the weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, and the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. I believe God is shutting down what we knew as church institutions To purify the pastors and elders and leaders because we have idolized ministry above ministering to the Lord. We have put our own ambitions, our own ministries, our own platforms, our own names, our own denominations, our own networks above the name of Christ and God is shaking the church to tell them I will share my glory with no one. And God is asking us, I'm including myself, because I idolize ministry, and it's to my shame. I repent of it. I ask God for grace to help me overcome it, but it has become a stronghold today. And God has closed down church as we know it to revive church as it was meant to be. Pastors, leaders, elders, deacons, worship leaders, and servants of God, I just share in my heart Let's repent and ask God for mercy. Number two, God is shaking the nations in order for them to turn to him. God is not only the God of the church. He is the king of kings that rules all kingdoms and nations. Psalm 22, verse 27 through 28 All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. Hear this, hear this, verse 28. For the kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules the nations. Oh my gosh, I've never seen so many prayer meetings on national television. I've never seen so many presidents and leaders in different institutions pray on national television. Did you know that the president of El Salvador in a meeting with government officials said, I want to ask all Christians to pray together and ask God that he help us to overcome this illness. Did you know the president of Paraguay said, the power of prayer, I am sure, will protect this nation. God will protect Paraguay and will continue to bless our country. Did you know the president of the Philippines, I mean, Philippines, not the Philistines, I got a lot of Filipino friends. Did you know the president of the Philippines prayed on national TV and urged all Filipinos to call on God? Did you know the Pope said publicly, in a time like this, you don't need confession. You yourself can directly confess to God. Did you know that almost every single news outlet in America has had pastors and spiritual leaders come on national television to give biblical perspective and to pray for our nation? And finally, did you know President Trump on March 15, regardless of what you may think of him, on March 15, he called National Day of Prayer. Nation to nation, kingdom to kingdom are being shaken. Why? It's only when we don't know what to do do we finally turn to God. Even Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, says, Lord, I look to my left, I see the Moabites. I look to my right, I see the Muonites, I look forward, I see the Canaanites. I can only look to you as governments and leaders and politicians and CEOs are coming to the end of themselves. They're saying, we need divine deliverance. Number three, God is shaking, and hear me when I say this, all the corruption that exists among leaders in institutions, organizations, and politics, and even businesses. Hear me when I say this. The purpose of leadership was meant to serve and love. The purpose of abundance in finances was to lend to the poor and to give to the poor as if you're lending to the Lord. It says in Proverbs, he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord. The Bible is clear, and you know this even if you're a non-Christian, that the purpose of anyone in leadership and authority, it was to serve and love and care for the people. But hear me when I say this, with more authority that you have, and more power that you have, and more wealth that you have, you are prone to abuse it. And if it goes unchecked for some time, you're going to begin to abuse your power. And God is shaking leaders in every institution to say what you think is yours is actually not. In 2 Samuel 12, verse 7 through 9, after David commits adultery... David was the king of Israel. As David lies and covers this up by killing then her husband, Uriah. You know what happened to David here? David as a leader, as a king, not even a pastor or a Christian clergy, but as a governmental leader was using his power and authority to manipulate and cover up for his personal lustful And selfish ambitions. I believe with more power and more authority, there is more responsibility and stewardship. And the failure of leaders doing that, God is shaking us to remind us of our true north. Our true north is to serve God and serve His people. I got two more things and I'll be done. Number four, hear me when I say this God is shaking families. God is shaking husbands and wives and parents in order for them to take leadership over their children. I'm going to say it again. God is shaking families, husbands, and wives in order for parents to take leadership over their children and even over their marriages. Look, I am a husband and I am a father. And I have been so preoccupied with my career and my job. I have forsaken the work of a father and a husband to other institutions and organizations. But God is saying, you have put your own ambition above that of your spouse and your children. I believe right now we have to remember the first church was Adam, Eve, and their children. I believe right now we have to remember the New Testament church was called a family. I don't want us to miss it right now. I know not all of you guys are working from home. I know there are first responders who are still going out. For most of us, however, we're home. But are you actually home? Are you like me right now, torn between work and family? And God, when I was praying this week, I felt God say, son, I'm shaking your ministry So that you know your wife and your daughter is your first ministry, CEO, business leader, pastor, whatever occupation you have. There is a reason why God has shut the door for this extended period of time so that you and I can work on things we have neglected over the last few years with our relationship with our family. And here's my last point. God is shaking all the idols in our culture to get our attention. God is shaking all the idols of our culture to get our attention. An idol is anything and everything, anyone and everybody that we have positioned over God. It is not a statue It is not a man-made carved image. It is the heart-made marriage to something you have put above God. And every human being, whether you're a Christian or not, we have idols. We are an idol-pumping factory. We create idols with good things because we turn good things into God things. We also turn idols into bad things. We take that which was created and we act as if that was our creator. We idolize our income, our bank statements. We idolize our social media following. We idolize our careers. We even idolize children and our families, and we even idolize our own ministries, but God is shutting it all down. COVID-19 shut down sports and entertainment. COVID-19 shut down our economy and Wall Street. COVID-19 shut down businesses and companies, churches and organizations, airports and international borders. Why? Because once that which is shakeable is shaken, we need to find solid ground. When we found comfort in sports and entertainment, now that we don't have that, where are we going to run to for comfort? When we found security in our jobs and income and our careers and it's stripped from us, where are we going to run to? When fear is all over us, Who are we going to run to? And it says here in Hebrews 12, verse 26 Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of all things that are shaken and shakable, that is, things that have been made, in order that things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. I'm going to transition as I ask some of the worship leaders to come on stage. If you're watching this, you may be far from God. You may even consider yourself a non-Christian, you may even have stumbled upon this video because your friend shared it. Let me just preface it as I try to land a plane like this. If I could summarize everything I'm feeling and everything I'm sensing in the air into one emotion, it's fear. I feel it wherever I go. The grocery store, I feel Feel fear. I see my neighbors. I feel fear. I talk to my friends and coworkers. I feel fear. And what is this? The fear of the fear of uncertainty. The fear of sickness. But let me tell you, deep down, what we actually fear. I think more than anything else is the fear of death. COVID nineteen. I know if you're like me, you've been checking every morning, what is the death toll? What is the national count? What's the global count? What's the percentage of death rates? Is it only for people who are vulnerable or even young people and healthy people? We're all thinking, "Why? Well, if I get it, am I going to die? But can I say something to you? COVID-19 does not increase our death rate. In fact, we're all going to die. If anything, that's the one thing you and I and we have in common. Sooner or later, we're all going to die. You know what COVID-19 did? It just made us remember death. It made us think about death. And the thought of it scares us. And you know what we're afraid of? We're afraid of catching COVID-19 because there's a virus that everyone's talking about but let me tell you right now there's a virus worse than COVID-19 and you and I we all have it it's the virus of brokenness it's the virus of separation from God from president to a natural citizen from a king to a peasant we all have this one virus called sin and we've been affected by it. How do you know you've been affected by it? We struggle with depression. We struggle with brokenness. We struggle with loneliness. We struggle with separation from people and God. Because we have a virus called sin. The Bible says that sin and that virus leads to death. But I got good news to you. We're all waiting for the cure. Every time I hear a news reporter, they say, when's the vaccine coming? When's the vaccine coming? This morning I heard a researcher say, 18 months, we'll have a vaccine. I'm telling you right now, we have a vaccine for our sins. We have a vaccine for our death. We have a vaccine and that is the blood of Jesus. There are people all across the world right now who are volunteering themselves to be injected once the flu, I mean, once the vaccine is found so that they could be the experimental test to the potential cure for COVID-19. Jesus Christ injected himself with the virus and the consequences of sin so that you and I never need to actually die. Believer, look at me. Christian, look at me. The greatest thing that can happen to you is actually the worst thing that could happen to you death to you and me is the greatest thing that could ever happen and the worst because as we die to this world, we will resurrect to eternal glory. We have an unshakable kingdom that is given to those who make Jesus Christ king. We're going to go into a time of prayer and as you go into a time of prayer, if you're a non-Christian or you've been far from God and you're not even sure what you are no more, I want to ask you, Turn to God today. Wherever you are. I was i was a wayward. I didn't follow Jesus for 15 years. When I was, when I was 15, I had to leave Korea because I was in, in a lot of trouble with the law, selling drugs, living a promiscuous life. But one day Jesus came to me and he healed me. And I want to pray that over you as well. <sighs> so if that's you, Just take a moment and pray for a second before we transition. If you've been far from God or you don't know Jesus and you want to come near to him or you want to receive him, wherever you are, just put your hand on your heart for a moment now. And just say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. Cure me of this virus called brokenness. Cure me of this virus. Cure me. Jesus, you are the vaccination. Cure me. Jesus. Father, I pray first for anyone who's watching this who may not be a Christian. or anyone who's watching this and they've been so far from you for so long. Will you draw near to them right now? We don't need a church building because now the veil has been torn and we have access to you wherever we are. Holy Spirit, fill their rooms. I want to tell you right now, my father-in-law was saved when he was 24 years old by watching a preacher preach on television after he tried to kill himself by shooting himself. I'm telling you right now, if you're watching this, there's a grace for you to come to know Jesus. Call upon him. Message us if that's you. If you've received Christ or you've been far from him and you're coming back to him right now, just message us. Find us. Wherever you're watching this from, find us on that platform and message us. Before we transition into a time of corporate prayer, as my brothers and sisters help me, I want to ask you to stay with me. I'm going to give four exhortations and we're done. I just felt this in my heart as I was praying for these four different type of people. I have an exhortation to business leaders and owners. I felt like the Lord was putting this on my heart to say to you. Business leaders and owners, I want to say thank you for being courageous and leading in such a time as this. I felt like the Lord was telling me to tell you, you did it before, you'll do it again. It wasn't the idea that gave you birth, it was you that gave birth to the idea. It wasn't the business that brought in the money. It was you who brought in the money to the business. If you did it before, you can do it again. As hard as imposs- and impossible as things may seem, in time you will prevail. Hold on to God. Don't give up now. Reposition and repivot. God is going to make a way. I want to say to first responders, specifically doctors and nurses and those in the medical field, I just felt like saying to you, thank you. Thank you for facing death and fear right in his face. If there was ever a time for you to be more like Jesus, it is now. You are literally an extension of the healing hands and the hope of Jesus Christ every day, every minute, every hour. And I just felt like saying to you, thank you. To parents and families, I wanna say this is a time to work on our marriage like you've never had before. Put each other first and put your child first. I felt like telling you it's gonna be hard as we retransition. A lot of people think things are gonna go back to how it was. I don't think so. This shaking, many of us are feeling, I can't wait till school reopens. I can't wait to jobs reopen. I can't wait to the guidelines shift. And we're still thinking it's going to go back to how it was. I'm telling you right now, it is not going to go back to how it was. If you're able to receive what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. So parents, persevere through this hardship. And lastly, I'll say this and we're going to go into a time of prayer. Christians, I want to exhort you to maximize this time to get closer to Jesus than you ever have in your entire life. Now is the time where an anointing and a grace in the presence of God is going to be more available to you in the time of hardship and struggle than ever before. So I exhort you, I challenge you, go into the scriptures go into prayer go into zoom prayer meetings go into facebook live prayer meetings go into phone call prayer meetings because the lord is going to minister to you like you've never experienced before Whew. let's begin to pray now let's begin to pray let's begin to-